Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hi, it's me, Phoebes, here to say that if you haven't checked out our new HBO specials yet, I just don't know what you're doing with yourselves. Now that we got that out of the way, we're doing something special on the podcast right now, which is that we're curating our all-time favorite episodes on the feed. We're wrapping this up with the ultimate queen, Michelle Obama. I love this episode because as funny as a former first lady is, we dig into some really important topics like what it's like to have black hair in the White House, miscarriage, and raising young black women in the world today. This was the last episode we taped for the podcast, and I honestly could not have imagined a better guest. Now, I know that since the Two Dope Queens podcast has wrapped, you might be looking for a little something else to listen to. Well, have I got the show for you? Okay, it's my show. <laughs> That's right. So Many White Guys is back with another season, and it comes out next week. That's Tuesday, March 19th, with very special guest and dear friend, Jamila Jamil. So subscribe to So Many White Guys wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy this episode with me. Bye, Q. Bye. Hey, everybody. Guys, just want to let you know that when you've been doing a podcast for four years, the settings get upgraded for your intros. So we are currently in a lobby of people, like, trying to do work. We are. Like, they're actually (laughs) shuffling. There's a lot of shuffling papers, you know. Yeah, there's someone holding a fart right now Mm because it had too much Chipotle, Mm -hmm. and we're in the thick of it. Mm -hmm. There's a water cooler (laughs) discussion of The Crown and how it was one of the biggest budget TV shows of all time. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot happening, but... (laughs) What I want to say is we are in a lobby in D.C. Mm -hmm. for a reason, right, Mm -hmm, Jessica? mm -hmm. D.C., District of Columbia. And the reason (laughs) is because we are here to interview the one. The only. Larry Mullen Jr. from (laughs) YouTube. Don't you ever. (laughs) She bought up Larry, which is trash. Um, No. No, do it again. Okay. Okay. The one. The only. Draco Malfoy, played by Tom Felton <laughs> in the Harry Potter franchise. Okay, WNYC hates us. Okay, for real, for real. The one. The only. Michelle, Michelle Obama. Obama. Ooh, ooh. Sticky, icky, icky. <laughs> Michelle Obama, former first lady, overall badass. Queen forever. What Black History Month means, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. just smells mm-hmm. like cookies. My next tattoo. Yeah. On my face. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. I wanted to be my best friend, my auntie, my grandma, my priest. She's too young to be your grandma, but I do think her being your best friend is very possible. Oh, I mean, all those other things yeah. also weren't possible as well. <laughs> that wasn't so. like a read. Anyway. Um, so we're so excited mm-hmm. to talk about her book, Becoming. Jess, did you love it? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I didn't love it. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. It's a page turner. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're hanging out with your friend and like she just chronicles her life and like how important education was and how her family like made sure to build her and Craig up and like her journey working in a nonprofit and just trying to figure out like what her ambition is and like being a strong woman but also being vulnerable. There's like so many mm-hmm. cool things mm-hmm. in this book. There was a lot like, of spoilers in there and I hope you guys are okay with all the spoilers she just gave away. <laughs> that she grew up in <laughs> Chicago <laughs> is not a spo- that her parents were nice to her is not it's a, a lot of spoilers and I we should have put a disclaimer. <laughs> 
Yeah, but we're really excited to talk to Michelle. Her book, Becoming, is amazing. If you haven't read it yet, what the fuck are you doing with your oh life? God, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a, people are like, I'm trying to pay off my student loans. No, I'm in Glen. Like, no, I don't care. Them. Stop what you're doing and read this book. Okay. I do agree with that, but you know. <laughs> Anyway, we're so excited to be here, and we're just going to, like, go over our questions a bit, and we hope you guys enjoy the interview. Y-K-Y. Love ya. <laughs> Hi. Hey. Wow. What's going on? Wow. Obama. <laughs> look at you guys. You look amazing. So do yeah. you. You both. You, know. you got your hair games on. Yeah. And thank you. wearing my finest wig I'll have you now. It's gorgeous. It's my Shaka Khan wig. It's a good that one. I liked. It's and good I'm going to say, I don't have my Shaka Khan wig on, but I did brush my edges. You so, did? Yeah. It meant something. It meant something. <laughs> Growing up, my mom would always say, like, make sure you brush your edges. You don't know if you meet the president of the United States when you go outside. So this is, like, so a pretty you, close. You should call her and yeah. tell her. I, we did it. Okay, right. it's like edges brush, yep. ready for prime time. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> well, um, thanks for wanting to sit down with yeah. us and chat. This feels like brunch. I've been wanting to talk to you guys. Yeah. We've been wanting to speak to you. I don't know if you heard yeah. the word, but we're big fans. That's why we're here. Yeah, a lot. That's why we're here. Well, we absolutely loved the book. Yeah. It was so good. I teared up a lot. It I was can't just, wait. You're demographic. I'm interested. Oh, you know? yeah. Our it's demo's like, going to love it. Like, well, you yeah. know what? I feel like you just, I hate the phrase keep it real. And mm-hmm. like, especially for like one black woman to say to two other black women, mm-hmm. like, keep it real. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my goodness. So what does that mean? <laughs> but you really like keep it real. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, really exciting. And I feel like it was candid in a way that we didn't expect. That's yeah. good. There was so much in there that really just like sort of jumped out at us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on the podcast, we talk a lot about hair, our hair mm-hmm, journeys mm-hmm, and everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were the first mm-hmm. black first lady. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, everyone has opinions about black women's hair. So yeah, like what was yeah. sort of like, you know, I remember you wrote in the book where you wanted to like cut your hair into bangs. And you had to like mm-hmm. get make sure that was like, OK. Like, so what was your journey like yeah. having black women's hair yeah. in such mm-hmm. a public space? Well, mm-hmm. you know, the, the first thing you got to worry about is how to keep it healthy. And that's at mm-hmm. the core of it, which what people don't understand is like getting your hair done every day mm-hmm. will mess with your hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of it, my whole goal was I want to end this with hair on my head. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I want to leave here with the hair I came with. Mm-hmm. And so now you've got to think about how do you do that and, you know, what are you doing and are you swimming, are you working out? But this wasn't just a first lady journey. This is a black professional women's journey because it's like I always work out and I wasn't going to be one of those sisters who was like, well, I can't sweat, you know, because it's like I'm going to be healthy, you know. So figuring out how much heat your hair can stand and how to cover it and how to protect it. So I've done a little bit of everything, braids, weaves, wigs, extensions, and some of it depends on what is happening? You know, how many days am I going to have to have my hair done? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and how many days do I have off and down where I can let my hair breathe and be itself? And, you know, I try not to put color on my hair. Same. So if I'm going to color yeah. it, I'm going to color somebody else's hair. Yeah. And then put that on my head. Uh-huh. Right. So uh-huh. that I'm not messing up. So that's what I and I try to talk to my daughters about hair health, because at the end, we only have one you know, set of hair follicles, mm-hmm. you know, if you pull it out and stretch it out and burn it out, you don't have nothing. And I want to have some <laughs> hair when I'm <laughs> 70, 70, 80, 90. I want to have hair. Yeah. I do what I want. So I, I'm, I've been open to every kind of thing, which is what men in politics don't understand. You know, so there would be a whole nother briefing for me when we do like foreign trips or stuff like that. It's like, okay, are we in the rain? 
is it raining? Mm-hmm. Are there cobblestones? Mm-hmm. You know, is it hot? Is it cold? <laughs> you know, I mean, I'd get these briefings and then all the other senior women who never get briefed in that way would be like calling going, what are we doing tomorrow? And it's like, girl, don't wear heels because we're on cobblestones mm-hmm. yeah. and we're going to be walking up a hill and there's going to be grass. And, you know, so there's a whole nother women thing. Yeah that no one talks about or writes about. I would talk about it a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I talk about fashion Mm because so much of fashion was not just, ooh, does it look cute, but am I hugging somebody? Because I'd be doing anything from greeting the queen to, like, doing double dutch. I could do that in one day, right? (laughs) So you got to have hair and clothes that can transition from doing push-ups on the floor with Bishop Tutu, Mm -hmm. which— I did, by the way. He That's challenged amazing. me to a push-up contest. Did you win? Yeah, who won? I was not going to beat Desmond Tutu. <laughs> I was like, dude, just, I was trying to tell him, please, please don't get on the floor. Because he was like 80-something, man. Uh-huh. I was like, I don't want to be in South Africa <laughs> messing with Bishop Tutu because we're on the floor doing push-ups. Yeah, you don't play. But I had to go from push-ups to, like, playing soccer with kids yeah. to going to meet some first lady so that you have to think about what is your hair doing? Mm-hmm. Are you sweating? Do you going to pin it up? Is it raining that day? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, does the jacket allow you to do push-ups? We'll take it off if it doesn't. And it's like, where, what heels are you wearing? There's a whole other life to black hair, black wardrobe in the public eye, you know, so... I could go on. I love it. No, yeah. I, oh, we love we love talking about hair. I have like a few questions mm-hmm. about that. Like how often would you say you do get your hair done a week or a month? It depends on what the schedule is, mm-hmm. you know. So if I, I so here's what I would do, updates. Updates was like we would do everything in one day because that was the day I was getting my hair and makeup done. Mm-hmm. And when I was down, it's like, don't call me because yeah. I'm not putting heat on my hair and mm-hmm. we're not doing any of that. So we would have up days and then we'd do everything. Mm-hmm. We'd fly to the moon. We'd come back because it's just like, she's got hair and makeup. Let's get her to do it. <laughs> Tape this, sing this, dance this. So we started scheduling some of the days around up and down days. Okay. So And down days, where do you like sweat pants? Oh, God, shorts, like, cut off shorts, yeah. you know, Fancy coming nuts. out, scaring butlers. Yeah. It's like, it's just me. Yeah. <laughs> a down day. Just don't freak out. Oh, I love a down day. Baseball cap, yeah. you know, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff where I could work out, mm-hmm. not worry about it, not have to, you know, put eyelashes on mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we structured days around sometimes hair and makeup. So there were some periods where, like, holidays Mm -hmm. were all— it was, like, every day because we'd have uh, host parties. We'd open up the White House almost every day from Thanksgiving until, like, the 19th. December was a tough hair month. Mm -hmm. So pull it back, give it a break, Yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. So you you wind up, you know, as you know, you have a whole strategy for hair that I'm sure a lot of white women are sitting over there going, man, I didn't know all that was going on. They're learning it, and it's great. Mm -hmm. I remember when I um, shot uh, a movie last summer and I was hanging out with somebody, and they were like, oh, let's go to the— to the zoo and it was starting to rain I'm like well I have to take a, mm-hmm. a cab because my hair's going to get wet and she's white mm-hmm. and she was like what you can't walk in the rain I'm like not like, with this hair t- honey it's going to mm-hmm. turn into yeah. something else exactly and I'm like line. you're not ready yeah. for yeah. it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but see one of the things your generation has done and I'll mm-hmm. commend you on that is that you talk about stuff that people mm-hmm. my age and older it's like you didn't talk about your business you didn't talk about mm-hmm. anything you didn't talk about your marriage you didn't talk about your menopause you didn't talk about your period so nobody knows anything. That's what I open with, you know. Always. And so <laughs> the state of my menstrual cycle. I'm like, right. this is where I'm at. Your generation does that in a way, and it frees up. So my girls, they own 
all of what they do mm-hmm. in a way that because they were brought up in a generation where it's like, yeah, this is who I am. This mm-hmm. is what I'm doing. So I think it's, you know, it, it is a political freedom statement that yeah. you all are even talking about this. Mm-hmm. And it gives the space for everybody to talk about it and figure out what works for them and that it is an effort so that, you know, how are people going to understand it if we don't talk about it? Yeah. You know, yeah, that's, that's really nice yeah. of you to say, but it's also like we wouldn't be able to do that if people like your generation didn't come before us and like well, just we're represent. just doing it. You're good. You know what I mean? I, 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 I love you. <laughs> you yeah. love me. Yeah. We love yeah. each other. Don't yeah. we? Like, we're just so yeah. yeah. wonderful. We're girlfriends. We're yeah. girlfriends. Um, yeah, just girls being gals. Yeah. Like, that's it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to uh, talk for a second about the Global Girls Alliance, mm-hmm. um, which is you announced that on International Day mm-hmm. of the Girl. Uh, you know, you are, I think, a role model for a lot of women. You've raised two very smart, intelligent daughters, and education is such a huge part of your life. So can you kind of tell us, like, how your journey made you kind of be like, well, I want to take this next step and mm-hmm. start this alliance? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it starts with looking back on those times when I was told that I couldn't do something. Mm-hmm before anybody even knew anything about me, you know. And and I I was just in a room the other day with a bunch of really powerful black women, you know, PhDs and doctors and uh, doing a little bit of everything. And we asked the question, who around the room was told at some point that they couldn't do something? And everybody raised their hand. And these are, you know, people working at Ivy League colleges and running foundations. I mean, the fact that everyone around that room, and I think because it was not just black women, but women, were at some point told they couldn't do something is astonishing for all those accomplished women to at some point, somebody, what they saw in them was you can't, Mm -hmm. you know. And I've experienced that because I've experienced that and I know that my story isn't my only story because I know when I got advantages in my neighborhood, there were kids left behind who were just as smart and just as capable. We were never raised to think you're special. You know, of course, my parents loved us. But my mother was like, no, there are a lot of other kids who were smart as you. But the difference between success and failure when you're a woman, when you're a minority, is really slim. Mm -hmm. And if you get the wrong message, it sits with you the wrong way. If you don't have an advocate, if you don't have opportunity, if your culture, if your family's culture around you, uh, you know, puts you in a place that is not what you were meant to be, then you're sunk. You know, so I know that pain. I know that frustration. I mean, I just have people think, just imagine as smart as you both are, as creative and as funny, because to be funny means you have to be smart. Mm -hmm. There's something that was in you from the time you were four or three. If you talk to your parents, they could see that in you. So imagine that part of you that never got educated, Mm -hmm. how you would feel, how frustrated, you know, Mm -hmm. how angry you'd feel. And to know that there are millions of girls around the world who are in that position because talent and potential knows no country, it knows no race, it knows no gender. The mirror image of both of you is sitting somewhere in Uganda not being educated, Mm. right, Mm -hmm. because of some cultural norm or some closed-mindedness or some ignorance. And how that girl feels, how you would feel in that situation— That's what I think about when I think about the fight for uh, changing culture and changing stereotypes and putting different messages in girls' heads. Um, 
So I, I started this work when I was first lady. It was um, uh, Let Girls Learn. And we had to shift it because that program belongs to the federal government. But I made a commitment to this issue, not just as first lady, but as a human being, that this was going to be something that I'd work on. So it took us a year to kind of reshape it and to figure out what it could look like, what my voice needed to be in this arena, how to supplement but not supplant work that was already going on. And it took us a year to get to the point of the Global Girls Alliance, where we're really using my leverage to fund work already happening on the ground, because there are already great young leaders and advocates who are working in Uganda, in, you know, in India, on the ground, who know how to address the programs in their community or or address the issue. So I want to add resources and support to what they're doing and not be the one coming in. I've got the answer. No, no, Mm -hmm. they have the answer. I can get the attention. So the alliance is the way that we're going to make that happen. What do the resources and support look like? Um, We're working with GoFundMe, and there is now a page um, that you can go to because, you know, in your new age, right, giving can be instant. You know, Mm -hmm. people want to do their own research and be able to say, let me decide how I want to give my money. Well, we do the work of sort of vetting programs around the world um, because you may care about the issue but not know where the programs are, right? You Mm -hmm. could be a Girl Scout troop down the street and you hear about the issue, and it's like, we have a bake sale. We want to give $100 to where? Well, we've done that work of finding programs around the world and vetting them. And so those programs go up on a GoFundMe page for the Global Girls Alliance, and people can go and learn about the issue. They can learn about the program. They can learn about the girls participating, and they can give. And that money goes directly to the organizations doing the work on the ground. That's amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. And then there's a network. Um, So part of the alliance is networking all those advocates that are out there all over the world working on these issues. Because what I've learned is that if you're working in some small village somewhere, you think you're the only one struggling with the issue. Well, there are like a thousand other people in other parts of the world that are doing the same thing. We're creating an opportunity for these young leaders to go online, to learn, to get resources, to be trained, to talk to each other, to network. So using, you know, the internet, this newfangled (laughs) thing. Have you ever heard of it? Have you ever heard of it? Um, So that part of it, that leadership development part, is it really connects to all the work that we're doing at the Obama Foundation, which is we're really trying to find and build up this next generation of leaders and give them the support so that that we can get out of the way and let them come and take their rightful place as leaders and advocates on issues all across the world and then get to know each other so they don't feel like they're working in isolation. That's so cool. Um, It's okay if we switch gears for a second. I can go on and on. You want to talk about my initiative? Um, I want to do something maybe like a less highbrow question. Yes, of course. Okay, so to open, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I am a gassy person. Now stay with me, guys. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you... I'm like, gassy. Gassy. Gas sex, got Mm -hmm. it. Um, (laughs) But you spent, you know, your time in the White House especially, you were surrounded by like secret service. And yes, there were times I had gas. Yeah, really? I'm just kidding. You do it too? Oh, my gosh. I didn't you know we had that in well? common. No, not in no, eight oh years. Gosh, no, like, once I became first lady, gas left me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's part of the, like, me too. Part oh of the, the one of the benefits. It's yeah. like, no more gas. Yeah. <laughs> but you were constantly surrounded by people. So did you ever have, like, any sort of, like, embarrassing sort of thing that happened? And, like, the Secret <laughs> Service was there and you guys both sort of clocked it. Like, we're not going to talk about it, but we both saw this happen. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff. And, and it's not just me. Let me throw my staff under the bus, right? <laughs> because it's like. 
like, yeah, mm-hmm. I oftentimes, yeah, I had one, a Kristen, who, if you're listening to this, you know who you are. <laughs> she was my personal assistant. She would come back to the plane after an event, like dirty, bloody, mm-hmm. sweaty. It's yeah. like, what happened to you? It's like, I fell in a hole behind you. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> when did you do that? You know, um, so it's it, not necessarily the gassy stuff, but, you know, definitely tripping, falling, stumbling. Yeah. Uh, you know, one time I was doing a big rally in, um, I think it was Asheville, college campus, and my lead agent was behind me because he's always behind me, mm-hmm. you know. So a lot of times I don't even see him. He's with me all day. Mm-hmm. And we get in the car. I'm like, where you been? He was like, <laughs> behind you. Um, and my skirt blew up. The wind just blew oh, it up. Wow. Mm-hmm. And luckily there wasn't like a back stand. But he was there, and he stepped right over. And I was like, thanks, Alan. Yeah. yeah, gentlemen. I was like, woo It's one of those flouncy little cute mm-hmm, skirts. Mm-hmm. And then we had to rethink that. So mm-hmm. even outdoors, that was another yeah. outfit learning yeah. moment. It's like, if it's windy, don't wear a flouncy mm-hmm. thing. Wear a pencil skirt or wear some pants. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we'd started checking weather and wind. Yeah, um, You don't need but, a Marilyn Monroe moment. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, we're no, good. No, no. <laughs> but I think I spent eight years going, you know, if you see me giving a speech at a big thing at a convention, what I'm thinking about is I'm walking to the podium is don't fall, don't trip, don't trip, don't fall. I'm not thinking about the crowds. I'm not thinking about my mo I'm just like, don't trip. Don't be that meme. Don't, <laughs> don't do it. get out of here in eight years without being a meme. And I did it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I, I do like while it is upsetting personally, I do enjoy watching videos of people tripping. Sometimes. I'm like, yeah. oh, and I love when I see it and I wasn't yeah. supposed to see yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. When um, you hear yourself going, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Ooh. <laughs> and then you watch it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, another question for you. Um, in your book, you talk about the angry black woman stereotype mm-hmm. and um, how you dealt with that and uh, how oftentimes people use that trope to sort of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, quantify and minimize, I think, expression from mm-hmm. a lot of women mm-hmm. of color. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, do you feel like you're in a place now where you can inhabit that anger um, healthily and express yourself? You know, in all truthfulness, no. No, I, I, I think that labels and stereotypes are intended. They stick, you know. Um, and if you've grown up sort of thinking, watch your mouth, be careful, don't be too angry. As you see other people, you know, you want to talk about seeing some anger. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of anger being expressed these days. And I just think, man, have I ever said that? Yeah. You know, I, those would be those bubble moments where I could end the presidency. If I said <laughs> these three words, it would all be over. Mm-hmm. And those words are said every day, all day, mm-hmm. these days. So, no, there's still a double standard. Um, and... It, you know, I have to be aware of what I say and how I say it, because if you want to get a point across, if if you're a woman and you're too angry, people stop hearing the point. Mm-hmm. They don't hear you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd love to be able to get in and emotionally, psychologically change that. But the truth is, is that there, people will hear things differently from me. I will do one thing mm-hmm. and somebody else will do the exact same thing and it will be interpreted completely differently. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn how to, how do I separate my anger from the point, you know, from the goal? Yeah. And, and that is what I try to mentor young people to do is like have the feeling, you know, don't, don't deny the feeling exists. I'm not going to pretend like I'm, you know, that I'm, I'm not angry, mm-hmm. but if I'm trying to move an issue, if my anger doesn't work <laughs> to move the issue, then it's not helpful. Yeah. So, and that's that's what going high means. Going high means you don't ignore it. Mm-hmm. That d- going high doesn't mean you don't acknowledge the fear. It's just like, well, if you're, what's your goal? And if the goal, if you're, and usually your goal isn't to just be angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
And I have to, you know, and Barack has been good at that. His even-keeled temper is not just because he's calm and cool and not emotional. It's just like, you know, brother can't get too angry mm-hmm. if he wants to move things forward. He doesn't have the the leeway <laughs> to solve problems with anger. Um, and that that remains true for women and, and minorities. So, yeah, you know, we I, I still watch what I say and think about what I say because I don't get a second chance. I don't get the benefit of the doubt that maybe she had a bad day or maybe she didn't mean what she said, you know. Every word I uttered on the campaign trail was picked apart and it was analyzed Mm -hmm. and oftentimes incorrectly. Um, So I I couldn't stop people from doing that. So I had to control my own message. I had to control my voice so that it wouldn't be misinterpreted. And I still do. Yeah. Do you talk about... Oh, sorry. I know. Like, oh my God. Did you ever have um, a conversation about this with your daughters, just being mm. like, this is what you're going to potentially encounter as you get older? Nice you one. know, I, you. I, 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 with them, my philosophy is we'll talk about things when you need it. You mm. know, I, I try not to do too much. And this, just everyone gather around, although they will say, yeah. you know, no, there are many times there's a mom lecture about, let me They're make like a listening point. to this yes. right now, rolling right, going yeah. like, mm-hmm. It's like, but in my mind, <laughs> in my mind, I think that I wait for them to approach me yeah. with the issue, and then I give them you wake them up like this is right. what you need to know. Exactly. Right. Or now there's texting. It's like this is. Did you read this? Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but I'm trying to think of whether I've had that conversation with them yet, just in all honesty. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I don't know if I've had the be careful because I don't want at this young age to. Yeah stifle them, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I want them, as I say, you know, what my parents did was that they they saw that flame in me and they kept it lit. And what's the balance of keeping that flame so that they have a voice and know how to advocate for themselves but learn how to do it effectively? So right now I think I want to fan their flames, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I want to get them used to maybe overstepping a little bit because it's because sometimes with women you don't step up enough you don't use your voice enough you know because you're told that you're mouthy or you're bossy or be quiet or that's not cute you know so we we've already practiced girls and stifle (laughs) you know so for me it's like I want to practice boldness and then we can bring it back you know yeah we think that a really amazing part of the book is actually how frank and honest you are. And something that was really impressive and nice was when you wrote about um, trying to get pregnant and having mm-hmm. a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, it happens all of the time. Yeah. And it's actually something that we don't speak about very often. Was was the reason why you wanted to put it in the book to sort of normalize it or just share your experiences? Yeah, part of it is like, it's like me, it's like that was the assignment to tell my story. It's like I'm I'm the box checker. It's like yeah. it's it's a memoir. You want to know about my life? Okay, this is it. Mm-hmm. You know the notion that I wouldn't share things about my life and then call it a memoir mm-hmm. to me just seemed like disingenuous. That's really the truth of mm-hmm. it. Because if you were my staff. <laughs> You would have heard about my miscarriage five years ago because that's part of my conversation. If you're getting married, if you're doing this, well, let's talk about this because this is how it works and this is how. So for me, it it was never a mystery for me. My friends, my young staffers know about IVF. If it comes up, I'm like, I, that, I did that too. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so that just tends to be, I think in my household, we were taught to talk and to talk about things and not to hide stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was already in me. But 
besides that being my temperament, yes, I do believe that it's important for us to share the highs and the lows, especially when you're a role model and people are looking at you and they're going, oh, Michelle, mom, she doesn't have any problems. It's like, oh, no, no, no. Because yeah. I don't want you to think that when you have a problem, you're broken. Mm. You know, I think that that's the message. If I'm perfect, then when you're not, which is inevitable— you think you're failing. And it's like, no, you're just living life. We're all struggling and stumbling and trying to figure that out. So I'm, I try to free young people up to know, ooh, don't be afraid of stuff going wrong. That's all life is, is a bunch of stuff going wrong, <laughs> you know. So you're doing just fine. Um, and miscarriages and challenges with pregnancy, especially as more young women are going to college, they're postponing pregnancy. The biological clock is real, and no one told me that. Yeah. You know, when you start trying and then you go to the doctor and they're like, well, at 35, this is your egg production. And I was like, for everybody? <laughs> this wasn't in your body yeah. yourselves. Why didn't they tell you about, like, finite eggs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that seems like something people know and you didn't tell us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Just that's great. That mean I would have had a baby at 18, mm-hmm. but it's good to know yes. while you're teaching, yes. you know? So that was my thing. It's like, I didn't realize that 35, there's a real drop-off. So I do tell young women, the biological clock is real. If you can afford it, save your eggs because mm-hmm. it was real unless they fix that, <laughs> Yeah, you know? But yeah. why would I keep that a secret from some other young people, you know? Or knowing that Miscarriages happen because half your period is a miscarriage somehow. Mm-hmm. Who knew that? Yeah. yeah. That you're miscarrying. And you, so, not to gross out your viewers, because oh, some people, oh, no, I guess, they really hear wrong. It. They, yeah. Yeah. Hear but it. they also know what's yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just don't want some young person struggling with stuff that happens to everybody mm-hmm. and going through that loneliness and that pain and that, you know, that feeling of failure when this is how our, our bodies work. Um, and you know, again, I grew up in a household where my, you know, I wrote about when I got my first period, I announced it to everybody. Dad, Craig, guess what happened? (laughs) Because that's how it was. It was an event. Yeah. Yeah. And you need to know about this, Mm -hmm. you know? And I want my girls, I I encourage my daughters to talk to me about everything. I mean, I told them this when they were younger. It's like, do not get your information from another 12-year-old. All of you are stupid, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) Love you, love your friends, but when you're 12, you don't know anything. No, you're really dumb. (laughs) I have the answers. So if you want to know about it, come to somebody where you get the right information. Don't be a 12-year-old sitting around trying to figure it out. You you all know nothing, Mm -hmm. you know? So if I'm not sharing with them... You know, they won't share with me. Mm. And I want all young people to be sharing with each other or to find the people in their lives, the elders, the women who have been through it mm-hmm. and get some facts. But that means we got to give up the information. We can't be so embarrassed or so pained that we can't educate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, should we do the rapid fire? Yeah, we okay. have to. I'm so, so excited. <laughs> can, I call you, can I call you Mishy? You can. Okay. Well, you know what? Mish. Mish? Okay, I'll That's call you Mish. That's my nickname. Okay, My Mish. brother. Okay, so okay. let me just kind of just throw that out there as well. Mish, sorry, I just wanted to do it. Yeah, you did it. You great. did it. It's a, I'm gonna it's like it you touched me. it. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, like Jess said, you're so open and honest, mm-hmm. and you always tell the truth. So we want to do some rapid fire questions. Okay, and we're just off the top okay. of the dome. Yeah. Tell us, yes, yeah, so mm-hmm. it's this or that rapid fire round. Okay, okay. Do you want to do the first one? Yes. Would you go to a Beyonce concert or have brunch with Oprah? Oh, okay, well, that's just wrong. <laughs> it is. These aren't easy. This or that, and you have to pick. Why can't pick. I have both? 
Michelle, that's not. She okay, that's not, that's the not game. How, <laughs> she could. She could. Okay, okay, okay. Wait, wait. Yeah, but I could. You right. Could, you yeah, could like really true. do that. But you I would have the best day. You would invite us, obviously. Okay, so I'd pick the brunch, not because I don't love Beyonce concerts, mm-hmm. as you know. I go to mm-hmm. all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love watching my girl perform, but I choose a conversation. You know, mm. so it's one of those. It's like <laughs> you guys like, mm, yeah. I'm like choose. I'm writing it. Choose a conversation. I would choose a conversation because it's like a concert is cool and you're feeling the vibe. But I want to be like, so Oprah girl, what's going on? Yeah. What ha- what's really happening? Mm. And you know, and you only do you can't do that at a concert. Mm-hmm. Concert, you're just yeah. like, yeah, we all here. Who I love, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I want to be like Beyonce. What's that? How the kids? What's yeah. going on? Mm-hmm. How you feeling? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's a more meaningful Connect. interaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So brunch with Oprah. Yes. Okay. You got it. Uh, next question. You have Am to I answer. supposed to answer rapid fire? I'm sorry. No, it's my, okay. My, my, like all my answers are essay like questions. The thought process is good, but this is a tough question. Mm-hmm. Answer carefully. Okay. Okay. <laughs> don't don't threaten her to answer carefully. You're not going to do anything. <laughs> you two or Billy Joel? Oh, you two. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah, that's oh, She I'm just glad. broke I'm something. <laughs> so Phoebe just, just broke something on my desk. listening, no, she did a yes because she was so excited about the YouTube that she knocked over uh, it was Phoebe, just a water Fiji water. Bottle. But it's closed, so <laughs> oh, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't break anything. But but Bono, Bono is sport, my yeah. boy. Yeah. Um, Bono is sweet. He's funny. He's I love best. him. He's hilarious. So, yeah, that's an easy one. Okay. I got I got one for you. Harry Potter or Bilbo Baggins? What's the what from Lord of the Rings? Okay, okay, all right. So I'm so not okay. Great, but I have a question. Neither, (laughs) no, only because right there is an answer to Mm -hmm, this. mm -hmm. Harry Potter came of age when Malia was little, Mm -hmm. and so Barack and Malia read every Harry Potter book together, and they'd see the movie. That was his thing. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, as a mother, Mm -hmm. if you don't want it to be your thing and you wanted to be his thing, mm-hmm. you got to stay out of it. Mm-hmm. So I, in my mind, I turned off of all Harry Potter and Lord <laughs> of the Rings because I would wind up finishing that, you know, that yeah. project. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So in my mind, strategically, as a mother, as a wife, I was like, mommy doesn't read that stuff. Oh, well, <laughs> Daddy at least you knew. At least you knew. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you wouldn't know, like, what your Hogwarts house would be at all. No. Do you know? Mm-mm. Great. Okay. Mm-hmm. The dark. Sorry, I Sorry. tried. I did Sorry. try. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Been to Hogwarts. We were on the set of Harry Potter. Which one? Where, where, where uh, did you? Well, they, they shoot them all in London, mm-hmm. and it was for Sasha's... 10th birthday and Malia was the big Harry Potter what no it was whose birthday was it (laughs) they were were little they were they were little and uh and so they got invited to awesome. the the Harry Potter set where they sat. We sat and had lunch at the great table. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then all the cast came and JK came and mm-hmm. they got to tour. So that was a big deal, even though I wasn't into it. I was like, ah, that's <laughs> So I felt like Malia was pretty mad at me and Sasha mm-hmm. because we were so into it. And she was like, <laughs> this is my thing. <laughs> and why are you acting like you care? And it's like, because mm-hmm. it's cool. Mm-hmm. So anyway, like, oh, today it's cool? Today yeah. it's cool. She was like, yeah, so, JK, still love you, girl. Mm-hmm. But that's Barack and Malia. Mm-hmm. All right, that's a long, that was a long, no, long answer. No, it's great. We'll, we'll we edit and post. It. Okay, yeah, just all right. <laughs> it's just like nothing to clip. There's nothing to clip. Um, <laughs> deep dish pizza or New York style? 
Oh, see, that's a rookie question. I'm sorry. I, you know, we I just didn't wanted know. to give you some soft ones. It was, as I to would say, it was no, an honor it, to be dragged by you. I do appreciate <laughs> okay. it. It was an honor to get roasted. Yeah, I appreciate but it's, it. That's not, that's too simple because deep dish as a Chicagoan, you know, comes in all forms, mm. you know. So is it deep dish stuff, which is a no? That's like pizza cake, which you yeah. don't do. Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of crust is it? Is it sort of a graham cracker well, what's crust? what's your ideal is it pizza? A, yeah. Let's talk about your perfect pizza. My Let's favorite it. pizza place is Italian Fiesta Pizza, which is a Southside pizzeria. Mm-hmm. It's, it's thin crust. It's, I don't even know if it's, you know, it's hood pizza. <laughs> I love that. Hood pizza's time. Yeah. Whenever I go, it's neighborhood pizza. Uh-huh. I love that. It's the pizza we got when we got good report cards. That was our treat. Mm-hmm. Getting oh. Italian fiesta. So is, is it like a thin slice? It's a what, very thin, slice but like? it's squared. They cut it into squares, nice. not the long slices. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. All right. Um, and then the last. I is, hope you're learning things about me. <laughs> I am. I'm like writing things after down. After the like, answers, you look like, pizza. oh, no, mm, that are, tells me more. I've read her whole it. memoir, <laughs> but <laughs> the pizza question <laughs> really gives me insight. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So this is the last one. Okay. Um, Barack's dad jeans mm-hmm. or the way he pronounces karaoke. How does he pronounce like karaoke? Tell her, tell her how okay. she, so how did her you, husband so pronounces it. <laughs> You're like, how do you know how my husband pronounces it? Like, where have you been? This was, I think, a clip either on Jezebel or Despin or something. He was mm-hmm. at an event and he said karaoke. And I was like, okay, Barack. Oh, so he pronounced it like he had some sense. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that or his dad jeans, which I love. Yeah, they I pick his pronunciation because... Uh, it was ethnically correct, mm-hmm. yeah. which probably tripped people out. It's like, that's not how you say it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh-oh, there, you got the I fingers. Know, keep, I know. Uh-oh. Do we have time for you to Rolling. read something really quickly to close okay. off the episode? Uh, what is it? It's With from, you two, okay. I'm not going to agree It's something anything. I wrote on it's, the way here. Yeah. Um, it's, like, it's a poem I wrote about Bono. No. <laughs> I'm really so obsessed with him. From my book? Okay. I'm going to read from my book. <laughs> How can I have a conversation about the pizza? And then it's like, nope, sorry, won't be reading from my book. For me, becoming isn't about arriving somewhere or achieving a certain aim. I see it instead as forward motion, a means of evolving, a way to reach continuously toward a better self. The journey doesn't end. I became a mother, but I still have a lot to learn from and give to my children. I became a wife, but I continue to adapt to and be humbled by what it means to truly love and make a life with another person. I have become, by certain measures, a person of power, and yet there are moments still when I feel insecure or unheard. It's all a process, steps along a path. Becoming requires equal parts patience and rigor. Becoming is never giving up on the idea that there's more growing to be done. Oh, Thank you so much. That was incredible. Thank you, Thank Michelle. You. Thanks, Thank guys. you. I could talk to you all day. Oh, yes, obviously. Cancel your plans for yeah. the rest of the day. <laughs> Whatever it is. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. She's like sweating. Stop okay. it. Seriously, thank, thank you, so, you so, much. so much. Thank that was you. That was fun. It was really, really fun. Fun, fun, fun. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, that was... Lynn Sanity, Jeremy Lynn Sanity. <laughs> it's crazy. She's sweet. She gets mm-hmm. it. She's open. She's honest and funny, mm-hmm. which and is you know, what you want. Yeah, she keeps it real. You know, I'm going to coin this, Kerr, keeping it real. Yeah. But also, I'm going to say, because you know I'm getting, you know, I'm into Reiki and crystals mm-hmm. now, but the vibe in that office was 
something. It's pretty cool. It's really warm. Yeah. It's great energy in there. You the guys. artwork was amazing. She had original, like, Carrie James Marshall, very, which is very one tasteful. of my favorite artists. Yeah. A lot of books. She had my book she in did. there. She did. Everything's trash, but it's okay. She had it. I was like, why do you have this? She was like, because I like you. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah. I think everyone who listens to this interview is going to be really excited to read her book if they haven't gotten a chance yet. Because yeah. I know I came in hot before, so I'm going to come in soft. If you got it. <laughs> as long as you're aware, like, you're just having layers. And I do, like, I love growth. And I feel like from the beginning to now, you've really changed. <laughs> and growth is powerful. And I appreciate you sharing it with our audience. That's so sweet of you. <laughs> you can buy Michelle Obama's memoir, Becoming, wherever books are sold. Get it, cop it. You heard it here first <laughs> that the book exists. You're breaking news. So Michelle Obama wrote a book, you guys. I don't know if you heard you about heard it. Here. She's an upstart. Mm. And I think she has... Do you think she has potential? I think she could have a career. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> really um, but yeah, this, we had an amazing time. You guys are going to love the book. So get it now if you haven't. And to close, I just want to say this episode was produced by Joanna Salatara. Paula Schumann. Isaac Jones. Chanel Estrada. Phoebe Robinson. And Jessica Williams. And our theme music was composed by Jeff, Jeff Brodsky. Brodsky. Remember when I was trying to smash yeah, Jeff Brodsky? Yeah, definitely. Brodsky's you put a full court press on that man. You put a full court press on that man. I know, it was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot, but you know what? He loved it. Yeah, he did. I hope. Oh, God, gulp. Thank you, guys. Love you. Bye, Michelle Obama. See you later for drinks. Just kidding. I know, she's like, uh, delete that. 